You're tuned in to Positively Terrible. I'm producer Dan, and each week my buddy Scott and I discuss surviving and thriving after trauma. It's a journey that started when Scott, his wife's fiance, and her boyfriend all walked into a bar. This week's decent human being is Julie. She's got a fucked up story about a fucked up marriage. Settle in, my terrible listeners. Today's episode is going to be Positively Terrible. Dan, what's going on, man? Uh, well, I'm recording a podcast and I'm trying to get my tax stuff together for the year. So it's been a pretty, pretty exciting day. <laughs> that sounds incredibly exciting. Oh yeah. My days lately have been a little bit different. I've been, I've been doing things for me, Dan. Um, I do want to say, I want to tell everyone, I'm going to plug something for myself here. I, rela- I relaunched my blog. I haven't written in years and for i i just want to say for my mental health it has not been great lately and i decided to do some things that are are just for me and i relaunched my blog it's at necessarilyverbose.com very easy for our our listeners to spell (laughs) i i certainly can't spell that but i'll google it and put it in the show notes (laughs) well i have shared it on the 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 page um on the instagram and the facebook and all of that stuff or at least on mine so it can be found there but i've also been trying to be a little bit more social so guess guess what i've been doing of late hmm nope. uh no i'm gonna guess <laughs> you have been getting milkshakes you've been going to a soda fountain and getting milkshakes well i have had a frosty or two too many recently <laughs> but that is not what i'm talking about okay uh, I, I am back in the ski league Ooh, yes yeah. i love ski ball yes i remember the day that you sent a message when I was in a meeting at work. You sent a chat that said adult ski ball league. Of course, I'm reading these messages while I'm at work. And so I can't even read the whole message you said. All I replied was yes. I, I had no idea of the context, when, where, anything. But hearing adult ski ball sounded pretty uh, awesome to me. So I'm actually in a, the league uh, on a team with neighbor Francis, guest from episode two or three, I believe that was. And uh, it's it's I will say that I'm not anywhere near as good as I was when we were playing season after season, but it's been a lot of fun. How's Francis? Francis is doing well. I know that I updated that he got married. No, uh, no, 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 no. I don't care about how's Francis's life. How's Francis at ski ball? <laughs> well, uh, he's getting better. He, he is getting better. Um, definitely finding himself with the whole bank off of the side rail. Julie. You may not know this, but when you play in what we call the, we'll call it pro-am ski ball. It's not professional level. It's not quite amateur level. You got to use the bank shot. You don't roll straight up the middle. You bank it off the rail. You have a lot more control. Uh, So, Julie, when was the last time you played ski ball? Oh, decades ago. But I love it. It's always, oh, do you? When I was a kid, it was always the one thing I'd run to and be like, yes, I want to go play ski ball. <laughs> well, that's so, a good answer. 
Yeah, I was going to say there was probably less alcohol than at the skee-ball leagues that I play in. Not everyone partakes. I usually don't partake, but it isn't a bar because it is an adult league. We have a lot of fun. The machines are smaller than the ones that you're probably used to. Did you play it at like Chuck E. Cheese or one of those types of places? Probably some carnival or something. I don't Okay. I grew up in a really small town. We didn't Chuck E. Cheese was a solid two hours drive away. <laughs> okay. Well, the uh, these machines are small because they're ma- made for bars, and it actually makes it a lot more fun, in my opinion. It's it, the the and and I'm and I'm saying this as a guy who did love the old machines as a kid, but you can get more of those hundreds, and those are things you can't get on those machines at Chuck E. Cheese or the carnivals or whatever. Well, Julie, if you find yourself in the Chicago vicinity. Uh, I hope you let Scott and I take you out for a night of ski ball. I would love that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Let's do it. It's a Yeah, for, for sure. And for anyone that is in Chicago, we're going to give a free late, uh, plug to our buddy over buddies over at the Chicago Ski League. You can find them on Facebook under the Ski League, I believe, or the Ski League Chicago. Not sure exactly what one, but... There'll be a link in the show notes after I go. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. (laughs) Okay, uh, let's get this show on the road. Please. Julie, fucked up story about a fucked up marriage. So um, I've had one of those before. I've had one of those before. So I want to hear kind of, um, why are you here today? And, And tell us a little bit more about this fucked up marriage. Yeah, um, it was it was definitely fucked up. Um, in 2008, my husband had a child with another woman, and I was so emotionally abused and broken down. I just decided to stay for another two years. Like, why the hell not? Sure, let's let's stay in this toxic bullshit. Um, and that led to a whole rabbit hole of healing and growth, and you know all the painful stuff. Um, yeah, that's that sound that it sounds like a familiar story in that the well what decent fucking humans do then we talk to a lot of them is turn our shit into something good and and learn from it and heal from it so i'm so glad you were able to do that and julie let's talk about that a little bit um how'd you meet this husband uh through mutual friends they're like, you guys have the best sense of humor. And we did. We were sarcastic and riff off each other. And we just hit it off great, um, you know, for a few years. Okay. <laughs> so, paint, paint the picture. How'd you guys meet? Uh, we had a, uh, I don't know if a blind date, but like a group date. Uh-huh. Um, and like instant connection. Um, I'm not generally a... Um, Men don't generally pull me over anything. And this guy was so not my type. Absolutely not my type. Um, he looked like, you know, goth guy, dark black hair, black fingernails, not at all my type. Um, and the minute I opened the door and I'm like, turn around, you know, like have a seat. I walked in the kitchen. I did two shots of tequila like right away. <laughs> and I walked in my girlfriend's bedroom because this is, this is where we met. And I sat down on the bed, and I'm just like, uh, I, like I couldn't say anything. I was just kind of like moaning and rocking for a minute. She's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, but this guy. She was like, what? 
And we were pretty much inseparable from, from that moment. Wow. And were you like, what stage of life were you in? Was this like I was high school, 30. college, after college? Nope. I was 30. Okay. Yep. So you're established. You've got a job. You kind of know what's going on in yep. the world at 30. Sure. I thought I knew everything at 30 still. <laughs> Not as much I as I knew at 25. 15. Right? <laughs> Since then, I feel like I know a little bit less. I, I was going to say, so why does that happen? Why do we age and feel like we know less than we did 10 years ago? Right. It's, it's progressively, you get progressively stupider. Like, I thought I knew everything, but no, I don't. <laughs> well, I feel like I just have a better understanding of how vast the amount of knowledge yes. in the world is and how little of it I possess. Yeah. And Dan, I, I, it's even less than you think. <laughs> no shit. I'll know, I'll know a little more tomorrow about how much I don't know. I, I mean, it, it, let, let's start by trying to spell necessarily verbose. <laughs> no, sorry. Um, Julie, I'm sorry. I, we we I, get off I, track a little bit. <laughs> no, it's okay. I I actually I think wisdom is is really wisdom is knowing you don't know shit. Like it's, you're really wise when you don't when you realize I don't know a damn thing. Yeah, for sure. And at that time, you didn't know you could fall in love with the goth guy, right? But you did. But I did. And um, you said it. You said you're inseparable at first. So really uh, let's talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, um, we got we got along fantastic. Um, he was kind of the dream guy, okay. Um, and you know everything was was great. It seemed like. Yeah, was it one of those where date two was like the day after date one, or or a couple days later? Was it was it that intense? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I was I was in a weird transition place because I I was living in Omaha. Um, mm -hmm. and I had just accepted a new job like that day that I met him. So I was in Omaha for another week and I had to figure out my stuff and move and pack and, you know, get down to Kansas city. And like this man, he met me a week ago. He came up, helped me move, pack, you know, met the family, was lifting and toting doing all the things and my dad was like oh, I like this guy and I'm like you just like him because he's moving me and you don't have to <laughs> like, well, I, I would like I would have liked him too right? I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of not helping people move it's one I, I there are a few things that I like more than not helping people move I understand that I do so you met him you guys clicked spent yep. a lot of time together I know a lot of times they say that abusive people um, that the start of relationships will do the, the thing called love bombing mm -hmm. was, and, and that's where that showering someone with love. Um, well, I, I should do air quotes when I say that with love mm -hmm. um, to be the best person, the person they, they, that they want and need and be everything for them before things change. Do you think that this was a form of love, love bombing? I think some of it, um, some of it was genuine, um, about, about a year after we met, um, I got a job offer and my best friend also who I was living with at the time, we both got a job offer at the same company in St. Louis. And we all moved to St. Louis. He came with us and, 
he changed in St. Louis significantly. Okay. Um, I, I would say probably some clinical depression hit and he was very, very unhappy. With it. I didn't okay. love it either, but you know, he, it was kind of off the charts. He was not the same person. Okay. Well, I don't want to get to St. Louis quite yet. <laughs> I, I would love to hear an example of, of some of the good times you had together. Do you have still have good memories of, of that time? I, I, I do. Um, it, it was, it was kind of the, the littlest things. It was always, you know, I, I worked a very demanding job then. Um, okay. Come home and dinner is made and, you know, make sure that I don't have to like, it, it, it's not that I didn't have to do anything, but he gave me space when I came home to just kind of decompress a little bit. Right. And shift from, you know, work mode. Okay. Um, presents, so many presents. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, half of my jewelry collection is from my ex husband. He was still, still perfect. Yes. Okay. Perfect on the jewelry recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, lo- I love that, that you uh, didn't go and throw it all out or anything. Heck no, that's good jewelry. <laughs> Okay, I, then sell it. I, I don't know. I that's good though. I, I'm glad you've got something out of this deal. Um, so we can skip to St. Louis now. Um, things are feeling pretty good. It sounds yeah. like, at least from the relationship. I, I guess just before St. Louis, though, were there any signs that were there any cracks that were forming? No, okay. no, not at all. Okay. So how I long think- after you move? Oh, go ahead. Well, every, everything was just natural. Um, so you're just vibing. <laughs> yeah, there was no, like, at that point, he had moved in with me and my best friend. We had a big house. Um, okay. Um, my best friend and him got along great. Um, everything was just totally natural. And when it was moved to, moved to St. Louis, he um, he worked retail. And I was in, in a marketing job. And so to his mind, he's like, of course I'm going with you guys. Like, of course, because I can, I can do retail anywhere. It's like, oh, okay, here we go. Right. And, you know, off we all went to St. Louis. All right. And yeah, St. St. Louis was very, very hard on him. I, I feel kind of bad that he moved there for me. And I know that it really was, was hard on him. How long did you... How long were you there before you started to realize that? Um, we were there for a year. It was probably four to six months in mm-hmm. when I really started noticing how um, just depressed, angry, um, just sad. That's, that's I guess, sad. Um at this at this point was was it this toxic behavior starting no toxic behavior wasn't um maybe a little bit but i didn't notice it then yeah. um but the love bombing part was tapering off mm-hmm. um and he, he was just, he, he was either trying to work a lot or he just didn't have the energy to do anything. 
Okay. Do you think that maybe, well, you know what, that, I think that maybe my question's better suited for a little later. Let's talk about some of the changes in, in behavior and, and the way your relationship was going. Um, you're not married at this point, correct? No, and you, and, we're, we're planning on it at this point. Okay, uh, formally engaged yet, or just talking, we're going to get married? Um, well, that was also a little bit weird, but it was not weird, but it was so natural. Like, we decided to get married when we were, like, road tripping. Okay. We're just driving somewhere, and, and we're talking, just randomly talking in the car. He's like, why don't you grab the notebook and we start planning our wedding? And I'm like, okay. And I grab the notebook and I start, you know, like writing things out because it just felt like that felt natural to us. And then at in St. Louis, he did formally propose okay. super over the top romantic. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, because of, he was, he was like a big early bearded guy, um, had long hair, um, and uh, he he loved Disney stuff, so it was always kind of a Beauty and the Beast thing. <laughs> it was a joke, right? Um, and he treated me like a princess for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he posed, he had these little, um, I guess, presents um, kind of throughout the house. When I came in, there was like a, a little present there with a note. And then it was followed this. And there was another present with a note. And another present with a note. Mm-hmm. And everything kind of led up the stairs where he proposed. Um, but it was a bunch of little, like, um, just a little carriage that was, you know, a princess kind of carriage. And, and um, um, a paperweight with flowers in it. And it was, fly, you know, flowers. And he had written basically a little poem for each thing you know by the time i got up the stairs i'm sobbing yeah um but that was that was very typical of his behavior it was just okay. super over the top of me. I, I mean i can see why you said yes it sounds like things were going pretty well seems like he was presenting as a, a pretty fucking good good guy and i'm and I, I'm not trying to say he wasn't up until this point. He he may have been. I'm I wasn't there, and I'm not inside his head. Um, I know that mental health and depression can do a lot to a person. Not an excuse for being a shithead, <laughs> um, but it sounds uh, you know like if you said Disney. It sounds like a fairy tale. Um, and then you got married. I, had had. The dynamic started to change before you got married, or was it something that happened after? I didn't think so, but I found out things later. I was oh. like, oh, okay, that's, that's, that, I didn't know about that. Okay. This sounds like the spicy stuff. Um, <laughs> what, what kind of things did you find out later? Um, you know, after the divorce, people were more free to talk to me about things that, that they just kind of assumed I knew. Okay. And I, I remember um, sitting on the front porch of my house, chatting with one of my friend's sisters. She was like, well, you know, when he was kissing that other girl in the you know, kitchen at your wedding venue, I figured this isn't going to last. I'm like, um, what? Pause. Um, yeah. 
Excuse me, what? Ooh, okay. On our wedding day. Right. Well, that seems a little disrespectful. <laughs> you think? You think? I mean, at least do it across the street, not in our wedding venue. What are you thinking? Yeah. No, I, I don't even know how to ask, like, well, and and not just about him, but when you say that people assumed you knew things, like, did people assume that you knew, literally knew that he was making out with someone at your wedding? I don't think they assumed that I knew. I, I think I think that specific person assumed someone had told me afterwards, but no one was going to tell me when it was happening, wow. except and- my mother. Tried. Your mother-in-law tried. Mm-hmm. Years into the marriage, she she tried to let me know something was going on, and I didn't believe her. Well, and and based on parts of the story we're going to get to, I'm not sure that that was coming from a good place. No. Okay. All right. So we teased that there's more to come. Oh, man. <laughs> you guys are good at this. Uh, are, are we? I, I'm just, Julie's just leading the way and, and it, it's. Uh, you're right, Julie, you're good at this. I, 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 I'm, I'm hearing, we're in day one of the marriage and I'm hearing why we're calling it a fucked up marriage. <laughs> right. Ooh. All right. So day one, um, you both say I do or or whatever happens at a goth wedding. Maybe it's different than the weddings I've been to. I don't know. But did things kind of immediately change after that? After af- after the wedding? Uh, no. Um, I think they were changing slightly before. Oh, okay. Uh, go back a few months, about six months prior um, to us getting married. The job in St. Louis um, was like, we have to lay some people off in our department and we had to lay off two people. And there were two of us that went in and volunteered to be laid off. I was, I was one of them. And um, I did that because about two weeks prior, um, he had broken down sobbing in my arms about, I just can't be here anymore. We've got to get out of St. Louis. So I mean, it was like, lay me off volunteer for tribute here we go and had got a new job almost immediately back in Kansas City okay and as you may think when you immediately grab the first job available you're like yeah let's do this yeah. that was just a show that was a, that was a big mistake so I got fired from that one of my 90 day review and everything in me was like oh thank you God <laughs> it just it was the worst job for me humanly possible yeah. and then three months later we get married so we are now six months into we've you know uh, moved back to Kansas City with you know switched jobs got lost that job I'm trying to figure out freelancing and figure out how to support family because I made three times what he did so just trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, I'm in my identity crisis of I was my job. I was so career driven that now I'm like, well, who am I? What do I do? And and obviously I failed because I got fired. Looking at it, you know, from perspective, it was like, 
no, no, it was an impossible situation, but that's not what my emotions were at the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was all like, let's focus, let's get married. We're under so much stress, but it was like, it's going to be okay. It It was a little bit of, let's put on some blinders and let's just do this thing and focus on moving forward. Yeah. I know but that story. Well. And like we are marching down a red flagged line aisle. Yeah. And it's hard to see that when he's struggling in St. Louis and then you move and you're struggling for different reasons because of this job mm-hmm. and things may not be perfect, but there are going to be rough spots and, especially when there are external factors. So you lost this job and kind of lost your identity, you said. What's next? Uh, You know, I was just trying to figure it out, trying to freelance, trying to figure out, you know, the money thing was a huge worry. Um, You know, he had a job immediately, so he's at least working. Mm-hmm. Was he was he still like very supportive of you during this time? Yes, but he was stressed out too, and, and his depression and his you know his emotional issues didn't go away with you know moving van back across the state. Yeah. So he's still dealing with all that, and also he's spending time with friends at work more too, um, which also another red flag. Well, I, I guess I have a question about that. When the the way you said it, it sounds like, well, oh, oh, I think, okay. Oh, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down now. Um, he was not at home is, is, is the, is what you're getting at here. Um, yep. I thought for a second, maybe you're saying that they were a bad influence on him, but I had a wife who also had reasons to not be at home herself. Uh, so um, was that the kind of the first thing that you noticed is that he wasn't around as much? I, I, yeah, I think so. Um, it, just neither one of us were in a great place professionally, financially, emotionally together. Um, we're, we're trying to just muddle through and figure it out. Yeah. Um, but it was, like there was, there was literally nothing quite going right for us at that time. Yeah, and that that was like for about a year after we were married. I'm trying to formulate this question, but with nothing quite going right, you know, he wanted to move, so to have. You know, that would be the thing that got made him feel better. And it, it wasn't the, the magic bullet. Um, and then you're going through some stuff. And are you thinking that with, with everything that's not going right, are, at this point, are you still thinking that, oh, once we get to a, a more stable place in our lives, we'll get back to normal? Yeah, because I was focused on just, I was focused on the financial on the home life, on doing what I could do to make sure that we're, we're being able to muddle through. Right. In my head, we're married. Full stop, done. Um, my, my parents just 
last fall celebrating 60 years of marriage. My brother's been married for 30 years. You know, divorce wasn't in our family, which, you know, so to my brain, it never occurred to me this was going to happen. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Well, and I'm the same way. And sometimes it takes some kind of extreme things to make you, to push you out that door. And Julie, did you have one of those extreme things that made you realize that it was time? I did. Okay. Um, it was, it was when I found out that he had a child with another woman, not just another woman, another woman who I had known for years. She used to work with him. She was at our wedding. She was at our wedding. So it wasn't like, oop, I didn't know he was married. Was it the same uh, <laughs> girl he was making out with at your wedding? Julie? Nope, different, how, different woman. How many women in that room for that day has he at least made out with? <laughs> Two that I can confirm. About probably four that I'm kind of, I don't know. Okay, is, is the I don't know about, yeah. Is the two what are including the you? We could get the four of them and you on the follow-up episode together. Zero. Okay. <laughs> okay. And the way you said that, I found out, I think you said, I found out he had a child. Was it kept secret until the birth? Yep. And I just, I knew. Like, I, I don't, I can't even explain what or why or I, I don't know. Um, I just, I somehow knew. And I called him at work. And I confronted him, you know, that he was cheating. And I knew in my gut, I was like, she's pregnant, isn't she? And he goes, not anymore. Bonk. The fuck? <laughs> right? <laughs> I remember. How'd you I just, how'd you just know? How'd you I, just know? Just a gut feeling. I just knew. I'm, I'm on the phone with him. I'm pacing back and forth, you know, in the bedroom, yelling at him on the phone. And I stopped cold and I just knew there was a kid. I just knew it. And so I asked the question. Yeah. At this point, did you know? Like that there were other, that there were other relationships that he had. So first yep. time you found out he's been with somebody else, it's about yep. this yep. Yeah. pregnancy. Yeah. And this was in our pregnancy. Yeah. Um, this was in October when I was confronting him and about it. And the baby had been born in July. So yes. we're talking a full year of hiding this from me. Was he part of this baby's life? I mean, would he see this child at that time and support the child? Yep. He was um, seeing her, spending time with him, you know, there. And I got curious about a few things because, like, you know, uh, he he had to work on whatever day, and it's fine. So I'd be out doing something, run by his everyone run by his store and I'm like, Hey, you know, is he here? And they'd be like, no, he's off today. I'm like, oh. 
said, my bad. I just got in from town. I forgot. I'm like, see you later. Because I'm trying to save face, right? Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that, that, that shame. this bleepity bleep had not only lied to me, but now he's spending the whole day with her. So, What happened after you found out then? Um, I'm on that call with him. He's at work. And I said, if you want a snowball's chance in hell of us working out at all, I said, I need you home right now. And I think he must have set some sort of land speed record to get to the house from his work. Just told him he had an emergency and he was gone. Um, I... I really, I was so angry. I can't even tell you, like livid rage, envisioned all kinds of ways that I could murder or maim him in my brain in those, you know, 10 minutes it took him to get home. Understandable in, in that situation. And so you guys talked or he got yelled at or... Probably a little yeah. of both. A um, little bit of both. And I, because in my brain, marriages don't, you don't divorce, right? Just, right. Um, and up until that point, things seemed relatively good. You know, we had some issues, worked through some things. Seemed like we were on a good path. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was, this was kind of a blind side of, but we were doing really well. And then this came out of nowhere. Um, and I, I said, I need time. I said, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if I want to stay, if I want to leave. I, like, I need time. And I asked for time. And what I asked for was, I said, can we not tell anybody else about this until we figure it out? Now, his mother lived three blocks away from us, three blocks. So he's kept this from her all this time, too. Oh, okay. Um, so it was about three or four months, so probably January, February, um, when I decided, okay, we're going to try to figure this out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to manage this. Mm -hmm. And part of that was, okay, we're going to have to tell people because this child is not going anywhere. Right. And, you know, at that point, I'm like, all right, we haven't been able to have kids. I thought we were trying, apparently. He was trying harder than I was. <laughs> right? So, you know, that, I what I was going through was the, the, the fracturing of my marriage, the betrayal, the lack of trust, the death of this dream of children with him the oh my god maybe i should never have children with him the shame the i i can't even tell you the intense incredible shame i felt i didn't really want to talk to my parents much or see them much or just kind of pulled back a little bit because I was so ashamed of my, my failure as a wife, my failure as a woman. 
I didn't give him a child. My failure as a marriage were any of these things my fault? No, not really. I mean, yes, I have own any part I have in our marriage not working out, but it's not my fault that I couldn't have kids with him or my fault that he had a kid with another woman or like, seriously, but that's the emotion I was feeling so much of. Yeah. Back, back to not having an excuse to be a shithead. You know, you can own that. Maybe you weren't perfect. You played, uh, there's two parts to a marriage and, both parties, even if one is way worse than the other, both parties probably contribute at least some to the imperfections of your marriage. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to hear you say, like, no, you weren't responsible for him going out and fucking around and lying and then continuing to lie and then lying some more. So after you talked and you decide that you've got to share and that you're going to work on it. Um, How did that go? Like you mentioned the mother-in-law and again, I I know that we've got, we've got stories. Um, So was she one of the first people that you guys told? Yep. And and how did she react? How, How did she react? Um, happy. Very happy. Shocked. I don't remember. Maybe she asked how I was doing with all of this, but it was maybe minimal. But she was so freaking happy that she had a grandbaby. She was just over the moon about this. I was like, well, okay. And then angry. Very angry. Because I had caused her in my selfishness and wanting to figure out what we're going to do with this child with an extramarital affair, I caused her to miss her grandbaby's first Christmas. (laughs) So she thought things were your fault, apparently. Um, How did you react to that? Did she say it to your face? Of course she did, yeah. Oh, God. Was she a wild pain in the ass of a mother-in-law before all of this? Yes. Um, okay. She had many years ago fallen and broken her pelvis and back pelvis. Um, and she could do oxy-like tic tacs. And because of those prescription drugs, you never knew who you were you never and and it would be you know you might get kind loving the sweetest human in the world and you'll go outside and come back in the room and it's completely different person so it would you you never knew so there was a lot of tension always of who we're dealing with now was that directed at you or did your ex-husband experienced that with her as well that was directed to everybody she didn't care okay. she just okay. yeah yeah you never you just never knew what you were going to get and there was no there was no logic to so much of it yeah it was just random anger of 
they they all smoked a lot, like chain smoked. Um, okay. His his dad, mother, sister, all of them. And I I have asthma because of the secondhand smoke, and I didn't like being around the cigarettes. And so we would get invited to come over for dinner, grill or something, and they would be outside, and I would be inside. Mm-hmm. And then I'm antisocial, and she just doesn't want to be around us. And I'm like, but you're smoking, and I'm I I can't be around that. And so then I go outside and, and try to sit with them, but I'm literally surrounded by smoke. And it was like, well, you're just you're just being a bitch. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm the bitch one for not wanting to damage my health. And I'm like, I didn't make a thing out of it. I'm like, I'll go inside. That's fine. But like, are you guys ever going to come back in and eat food, and are we just going to smoke? Right. It, w- it was all these random little behaviors like that where it's like, I think I'm being logical. And she's like, you're just being a bitch. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it makes a lot of sense to not want to sit in a smoky room, w- whether or not you have asthma or any conditions that would make it right. uncomfortable. Right. I, Especially uh, if they're the reason you got the asthma. Oh, yeah. That yeah. too. Right. right. So when I say some, there's not a lot of logic sometimes. So, right. so yeah, so we, we told her um, and she fully embraced the baby, um, baby mama, um, all of it. She was over the moon about a grandchild. All right. You, you slipped in baby mama. <laughs> uh, so, did she, it sounds like you're saying that she developed a relationship with the mom. I mean, that, that's what you're saying, right? Um, yeah. yeah it is. Did the relationship with the mom, was it as bad as it was with you? Do you, I mean, I could, maybe you don't even know, but did she treat the, this woman the same way she treated you or not? I don't know because I was never around them. Yeah, I, um, I guess that makes sense. Gonna assume so. Okay. Well, I was just wondering if if maybe because the baby was there, there was an ability to play nice at least until you were out of the picture because she wanted you out of the picture, right? I don't. I don't think intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't think it was necessarily me she wanted out of the picture. She just. I don't think she wanted him with anybody. Okay. Well, and and I'm sorry for phrasing it that way with kind of a leading question, but um, I know that she, or I shouldn't say I know, but I was envisioning that she saw you as maybe a barrier to the relationship she wanted with her grandchild. Oh, no, I was absolutely no barrier. They just... Okay. They just did their thing. <laughs> when they did their thing, was your husband around too? Was it the three of them? Yep. Yep. I I tried and wanted to, to co-parent. Like, let's make this work. Mm-hmm. Um, his child's mother did not want that. She did not want me around their child. Mm-hmm. Um, did not want me involved. Um, but that that I learned later on. 
Um, but initially, when we were trying to make it work, we're having, you know, the, the baby over and, you know, have an alternate weekends or whatever. And I'm trying to, like, buy things for the baby, make sure we're taking care of Like, I'm trying to, if I'm going to go all in and try to make my marriage work and figure this out, this kid's got to be a part of it. Okay. Did he maintain a romantic relationship with her? Yes, he did. And did I know? No, I did not. And does that make him feel incredibly stupid? Yes, yes, it does. You shouldn't feel stupid. And I, Julie, yeah, Julie, let, let, let me say this, that when we call our guests decent fucking humans, the way that phrase came to be is that I told you that my relationship with my ex-wife, she had, I don't know how many boyfriends, but the two that I ended up in a bar with kept saying, I feel well, so stupid. One was her fiance. Well, okay, fair. Yeah. So sorry to correct you, Scott, but <laughs> carry on. The one thing they kept saying is, I feel so stupid. I feel so stupid because they didn't know about me or the other. And I had to say, like, if you feel stupid, I'm the dumbest one of them all. And I'm not dumb. And what I told them is that humans generally operation operate in this range that I call a decent fucking human. And you look for people to operate in that range. And that doesn't mean they don't do bad things and don't make mistakes, but those mistakes and those bad things are still within the range of a decent fucking human. And when you start operating outside of that range is when you can get away with shit because people aren't going to suspect it. People are going to give you the benefit of the doubt. At least other decent fucking humans will. So it's easy to be taken in when you're a decent person. And it's not stupid. If we all had our guard up all the time, we'd have gone as extinct as a species. <laughs> True. True. So sometimes you have to just trust people. Um, we should sometimes be a little smarter about it. Sure. But sometimes, you know, you have to trust people and especially someone when you're trying to make something as complicated as marriage work. So I get it. I've been there, but you got out. You did. Um, did. It took a while. It, it did take a while. I think so, um, there were, it wasn't, there was never a last straw. There were like 12 last straws. It just kept okay. adding up. Okay. Um, it just started to get too, too heavy. You couldn't carry that burden anymore. Yeah. Um, I think maybe the first, the first moment where I really broke and thought I can't, I just can't do this. Um, was Christmas. It was her first Christmas with her grandmother. Um, it was also the first Christmas that my sister-in-law was going to be home in like five years. I helped my mother-in-law for three days cleaning. I mean, we're talking like flipping over mattresses and like dusting on your beds and stuff, like ridiculous level of cleaning. And I kept asking like, okay, what do you want me to bring for Christmas? You know, what time is dinner? Where do you, what do you want us over? What do you want help with? Blah, blah, blah. She was always kind of cagey, like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Um, and I found out on Christmas Eve uh, that uh, I was not invited to Christmas because she felt 
she didn't want me to feel awkward because she <laughs> had invited the mistress to Christmas oh. instead. How and nice they, of her. How nice of right? her to keep keep your right? feelings, take them into consideration. Right? I'm still and, his wife. But of course, let's, let's have a mistress there. And, and I mean, we had this massive blizzard that year. Okay. So I couldn't like escape to my parents. So I spent like Christmas Day that year just sobbing in my pajamas all day long. That's so horrible. I'm so and I hadn't sorry. told my parents yet what was going on. So I've been dealing with all this and all the shame. So I couldn't tell my parents, like, well, I'm I'm on the phone sobbing to you and not at Christmas because my husband is with his mistress and their child at his mom's right now. Because that shame kept me from sharing with my parents. Yeah, I get it. I absolutely yeah. get it. And again, to, to bring it back, that's why this podcast is here. Because I very quickly realized that the shame was would have killed me if I didn't start talking yeah. to people. Yeah. But all of this sounds terrible. And I want to get to the good stuff, Julie. So did you just kick his ass out? Or did you did you pack your bags? Or what happened? I had a moment where I woke up one morning uh, and like my brain just went, check his phone, check his phone. I never did that. I never. And I kept just check his phone, check his phone. And I'm like, no, I don't do. And I was like, check his phone. I was like, all right, fine. I'm going to go check. And it was plugged in, in the kitchen. So I go and look and he was supposed to be off work that day. And it, there was a text from his mistress that says, I can't wait for our date tonight. And I'm thinking, we haven't had a date in two years. You're still. And I just, I didn't even get mad. I just went, okay, done. Like, that was the moment when I'm like, all right, he's still seeing her. He's still sleeping with her. At this point, I'm the other woman, even though I'm the wife. And it's seven in the morning. I walk back in the bedroom and I shake him awake. I say, I want a divorce. And he's like, mm, okay, uh, wait, what? What? <laughs> and I'm like, I want a divorce. And I'm walking over and I take off my wedding ring and I stick it in the jewelry box. And he's sitting up in bed. He's like, hold on, wait a minute. Like, let's talk about this. And I'm like, what is there to talk about? Mm hmm. You have a child with another woman. You're still cheating on me. You're still lying to me. And I'm so over it. And he's like, no, 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 wait, let's talk. And I looked at my watch. And I said, um, I got a class at the gym in 20 minutes. So I can give you seven, but otherwise we've got to wrap this up. <laughs> and he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, never mind. Fuck it. And I walked out, went to the gym. Went to class and was just like, I, I I can't describe the level of done. Like there was no emotion at that point. I'm just like, I'm over it. I I love it. I remember my moment that taking the power back, the the clarity first, and then it's like, you've got no power over me anymore. Yep. So I know there's a lot with divorce and a lot of feelings and everything that goes along with it. But you're here because you're thriving now. 
And that's what I want to talk about. Um, What has your life been like since getting out of that shit? Oh, a journey. Um, (laughs) Okay. Like, really, once I got out of it, I I mean, I spent about a year just working out my rage at the gym and just getting my body healthy, losing weight, like, talk about revenge body. I like, man. Um, (laughs) Um, And, you know, I thought I was living my best life and everything's great until friends like, you know, you know, you have PTSD, right? I'm like, wow! (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was like, oh, okay. And then I, you know, tried to work on the PTSD and, and get over that. And it was like, it's like everything was a cycle of like, yeah, I think I'm great. And then it's like, oh, now I got to work on this. And then I work on that. And it's like, oh, great. Now I got to work on this. Um, so it took several years to basically unfuck myself. And I had moments where I'm like, I, I really, the core of it was I had no idea who I was anymore. Because everything was about him. Make sure that he's happy with things. You know, the house looks like he wants it. We watch the TV that he wants. There was so much lying and gaslighting over just stupid things. Like, you know, hey, did you remember to take the trash out? Tomorrow's trash day. Yeah, I took the, like, I took the bins to the curb. And I lean over and I'm looking out the window at the end of the driveway at the curb, but there's nothing there. And I'm like, no, they're not out yet. And getting to screaming fight with me about him, me not believing that he took the trash out when I'm looking and going, there's no (laughs) trash cans at the curb. Yeah. So now you're taking your own trash out. Right. I'm still going, wait a minute. Am I crazy? Right. You know, that's one of those moments where I realized, wait a minute, I'm actually not crazy. He's been doing this to me forever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it took a moment where I was I was flipping channels and he loved Law and Order and that the dump dump come on and it <laughs> still makes me just kind of like, oh, I hate this. Um, but I was in such a habit of, okay, that's on. I'll go do something else. Let him watch his show. Mm-hmm. And this is about two, three years after he was not living there anymore. And I took like two steps away, heading towards the kitchen. I went, in a minute. You're in. This is this is your house now. Your TV. Your cable. Like what? Your trash bins. Right. But but I was so conditioned. To make sure everything was okay for him. And then I realized I have no freedom for who I am, what I like, yeah. nothing anymore. Yeah. And my my background is in marketing. And I've built brands for people, uh-huh. for companies, like multiple brands. So that kind of became my expertise. And when you build a brand, you humanize it, right? So you take, mm-hmm. you know, a coffee mug and it's like, well, what's this? What's this coffee mug's personality? What's its values? You know, what is its archetype? Like, is it more like an, you know, adventurous Jeep style of archetype? Or is it a thinker kind of innovator like Apple? Um, And you go through this whole process to build a brand. 
So I did the only thing that I know how to do was build me as a brand. Like I sat down and went, okay, what do I like? <laughs> and since, since I've been coaching, when I, when I ask people who are in the place that I was, okay, what do you like? They just give me the glassiest stare. Like I have just asked you to solve world peace implement it and stop all war in the next 30 seconds they're just like yeah. uh what yeah you got to rebuild yourself you got to figure out who you are you've yeah. shoved that so deep down for so long you lose yourself yeah, yeah. so you're coaching you're who, who are you coaching is this kind of the the, the types of people who've been in relationships like yours yes um i'm i'm focused on women either Women who've either lost themselves through relationships, you know, bad divorces, or who just mommed to the extreme and the kids left the nest and they're like, wait a minute, now what? Right. Okay. Um, okay. Because as, as women, we're, we're so trained to giving, 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 give. Yeah. That we don't give to ourselves. And we hit this point in our life, um, which I trademark pending called the off hit point. <laughs> Where women just, they look around, you know, sometimes between like 35 and 45, they look around at their life and go, fuck it. Nope. Yeah. Not this anymore. Okay. This. Yep. I get that. Um, I feel it. I love it. Right. And you've, you've kind of been at that point too, where you, so you understand like, that's the point where you have to start rebuilding yourself. But yeah. that's also the point where you realize I have no clue who I am, what I like, what I want. Yeah. You're just, you're basically starting. You're not even starting from scratch. You're starting in a deficit, trying to, yeah. to undo all of the damage and crap. Yeah. And I but say, start building. and I tell people that, you know, the day I ended up in the bar with, with the boyfriend and the fiance, it was the day my future died. It was like everything I thought was going to come after uh, was no longer going to happen. And it does take time and effort and thought and work. Um, but God damn it, it's worth it. And I can yes. see that it's worth it. I mean, you, you're here. It sounds like you're doing great things. You're doing great work. I'm so proud uh, of you. I'm proud of everyone that comes through on the other side. So Julie, it's, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and I'm, I am wrapping up, but uh, doing it maybe a little abruptly. So is there anything last thing that you'd like to say? Absolutely. Um, you can follow me at, uh, on all the socials. Uh, I am at choose to rise now. Okay. Um, Good on name. All the socials. Uh, my website is choose to rise now.com. Okay. Um, that was very intentional choice when I named my company. Um, I had a friend who helped me when I was in some of the deepest, darkest ick. Um, yeah. And he reminded me, he goes, it's okay to sit down on your journey and rest, but you can't stay there. At some point, you have to choose to rise. I was right. like, that's the thing. Well, I think I, like that. I think that's advice that I need right now. I've, I I decided to take some time off of work a few months ago and, and heal a little bit. And part of that is from long COVID, and part of that is just from fucking life. And 
it's time to really get up and start moving again. And that's actually relates back to me saying I relaunched my blog um, is me deciding it's time to move forward again. And it's a great lesson, Julie. And I just have yeah, to say, is. Julie, you passed the decent fucking human test. I am grateful and humbled and just so happy that you are here and, and willing to share and, and that you're in, in such a good place today. So, Julie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. And terrible listeners, don't forget that you can follow us on our social media, Facebook and Instagram at PositivelyTerrible.com. If you want to tell us that you love us or want to be on the show or want to get the decent fucking human tattoo, don't do stop it. Stop shaking your head, Dan. You can send us an email at podcast at positively terrible.com. And as always, this has been absolutely positively terrible. I met you back at Positively Terrible is a part of the Terrible Podcast Network.